Well, the question is, do we want to limit representation to the population of citizens or do we want to limit representation to the resident population? and welcome to the Miami Law Explainer, a new podcast from the University of Miami School of Law. At The Explainer, we take a deep dive into the news of the day, unpacking Supreme Court cases and decisions, sussing out hot political and social issues, and discussing legal matters that are just too interesting to ignore. I'm your host, Annette Uguez. March, the Trump administration asked to add the question of citizenship for the first time in more than 50 years to the census. The administration argued that the question on the 2020 census was an effort to enforce the Voting Rights Act, though emails from the government obtained as part of a federal lawsuit suggest otherwise. The case is winding through the courts. Opponents, which include 21 organizations and two citizen plaintiffs of the question, sued to block it recently, alleging that it is a veiled attempt to discourage reporting by minorities and immigrants to skewer the count. Kunal Parker is a Dean's Distinguished Scholar with a Ph.D. in History from Princeton University. He is the author of several books, including about immigration and nationality law. Good morning, Kunal. First, why would the Trump administration push for a question that would likely result in an undercount? And what are the ramifications of a serious undercounting of minorities? Um, so it turns out that the Constitution requires a census and that the census needs to take into account all persons for purposes of representation. Um, having said that, the federal census did not require, did not contain a citizenship question until 1890. And there was one from 1890 until about 1950, uh, after which it dropped out of the census. So um, what's going on now is really an effort to revive the citizenship question in the census. Another detail that needs to be put out there is that the Census Bureau conducts an annual ACS survey, as it's known, of a sample of the population, which does include the citizenship question. So what the Trump administration is trying to do is actually to put that citizenship question from the annual ACS question into the decennial census. That's what's going on here. Um, What is at stake here? What is at stake here is really the size of electoral districts, which will uh, determine the number of representatives the state sends to Congress. But what is also at stake is that census numbers are used to determine the availability of federal funds. So about uh, between 15 and 20 federal programs rely on those numbers uh, in order to determine how much federal money will go to the states. Why would the Trump administration push for a question that would likely result in an undercount? Well, there are two different questions. One would be what the consequences of an undercount are, right? Um, So one of the consequences of the undercount, uh, and this is made clear in California's suit against um, the federal government uh, in this case, is California is claiming in its suit that for the first time in its history, it will have a reduced number of representatives sent to Congress, Um, right? So that's what they're claiming. They're also claiming, of course, that it will affect their ability 
to get federal funding for a whole bunch of programs. Uh, many of them are sort of needs-based programs, uh, but there are others. There's a whole range of federal programs. Um, we're also wrong to think that an undercount will only affect blue states. Uh, it could also affect states which are Republican, but which have very high immigrant populations, like Texas and Florida. Mm -hmm. It feels a little like this is just part of a Herculean effort by the Trump administration to purge non-whites from not only voting, but of a push to limit representation, curb immigration, rescind citizenship and green card status, and generally make the American landscape more Caucasian. So I think that it's not at all illegitimate to see this initiative as part of a much larger set of initiatives that uh, people could describe as being anti-immigrant, right? Uh, I think it is also probably part of a Republican strategy uh, that should be seen in conjunction with the attack on voting rights of U.S. citizens. So what we do, and it's, I, you know, so contrary to what I just said, which is that states like Florida and Texas could be affected, it is blue states that have the highest concentrations of immigrants. And so undercounting uh, the populations of blue states relative to, you know, red states in the Midwest, for instance, would actually reduce their representation. And we should see this as part of um, a general uh, retrenchment uh, on voting rights of American citizens in general. If the question is included, who is most likely to be affected and how quickly will the impact be felt? So it's so the citizens question, like I said, was included on the census uh, in, on, in the decennial census from about 1890 to 1950. The question is, do we want to limit representation to the population of citizens or do we want to limit representation to the resident population? Those are two different numbers. Everyone who lives in a particular place versus those who are only citizens. Right. And the census requires the, that. It is the population that be in, taken into account, not the population of citizens alone, but everybody. And there are very good reasons for thinking that representation should be assigned based on population. We don't want, because partly because the issues involve, um, or the issues at stake involve everybody who's a resident, right? It's not just the population of citizens. If we are talking about welfare questions, for instance, if we're talking about public health, if we're talking about safety, right? The safety of everybody has an effect on the safety of everybody else. It's not just the safety of citizens, right? From a public health perspective, for instance, we want immigrants, no matter what their legal status is, to have access to vaccinations, to be able to call the police, to be able to get healthcare, because if they don't do that, it actually has adverse negative um, adverse impacts on everybody. So it makes sense to actually have representatives who actually take into account the, rep the entire population of their districts rather than only a subset thereof. That would be the logic. Obviously, it is only citizens who vote, right? But representatives represent the entire district. So historically, much of the resident population, certainly before the Civil War, was counted for census purposes 
but was not a citizen, right? I mean, the two-thirds clause in the Constitution actually requires a two-thirds counting of slave populations, for instance, for purposes of representation. So the idea is that the representatives are representing a population that is not just the population of citizens. The citizenship status of US women until the 1920s was also uncertain, right? They couldn't vote, they were not full citizens, they were represented virtually by men. So the idea that we have representatives virtually representing a resident population is as old as the Constitution itself, right? Representatives do not, have not represented, quote unquote, only citizens. They've always represented the resident population. How successful are the lawsuits likely to be? It's hard to say because I think that there, the California lawsuit, for instance, alleges that the Commerce Secretary has engaged in arbitrary and capricious conduct in violation of the Administrative Procedure Act. Um, and there's going to be some back and forth about that. There have been questions about the um, credibility of the Commerce Department's argument that all of this was done at the behest of the Justice Department um, because the Justice Department wanted an accurate citizenship count in order to defend the Voting Rights Act. A federal judge in New York has actually explicitly questioned whether that was the case. And there have been um, some stories certainly out there that this was being done at the initiative of the White House rather than at the initiative of the Justice Department uh, to protect the Voting Rights Act. This is not an administration that actually seems especially committed to the voting rights of a whole range of Americans. Um, so that might be a basis for challenge. On the other hand, I think um, there is some question that this, because the citizenship question has been part of the census for so much of its history, um, it might be harder for the challengers as well. There's one more point here though, which is um, various heads, former heads of the Census Bureau have stated that putting a citizenship question into the decennial census is likely to deter responses, not only by immigrants, but also by US citizens with immigrants in their families. So we have some evidence that that is the case. Um, Secretary Ross actually has uh, questioned some of that evidence and has actually said that the benefits conferred by having a citizenship question in the census outweigh whatever negative impact sticking the question in would be. He's also asked that the citizenship question be placed at the end of the census form um, and has suggested that if the citizenship question is not responded to or they don't, people don't respond to it, that they will make up that information through other government sources. Once a census has been taken, will it be too late to undo the consequences? Well, I think the census takes place once every 10 years. So I think uh, it's an open question what the consequences will be. But I imagine that those will be the numbers that we will have. It's a very expensive, it's a major undertaking. Where do we go from here? Well, I think what we need to do is to see how far the challenges go. Uh, and I think some of these questions are also going to be decided politically. So I think the midterm elections will actually have a lot to do with this too. Thanks, Kunal. Here at The Explainer, we will be keeping an eye on the census question and we'll be checking back with Kunal as events merit. On our next episode, we will be with Michael Frumkin discussing 3D guns and the courts. 
And that's all for this episode of The Explainer. Let us know what and whom you'd like to hear from at Miami Law and Future Shows. I'm your host, Annette Uguez, and we'll be back with you soon with another episode featuring legal news you can sink your ears into.